Hello. Hello. How's it going? Merry Christmas. No. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It's not Christmas. <laughs> it will be. Eventually. Uh, yeah. On an infinite Christmas scale. Um, yeah, the deck, deck the halls. Uh, it's, yeah. you know. I guess it's Christmassy-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple houses in the neighborhood that have Christmas lights up, and there's probably a dozen that have uh, decorated Christmas trees in their window already because they're horrible people. Ah, uh, so you you, will, you keep thinking about time as in um, time now, as opposed to time when this episode is released, which will be time later. No, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't for anyone other than us right now. This is our private phone call time. This is our private phone call time where where time is always. Probably two to three weeks <laughs> from when you uh, are hearing these words. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unless you listen to the bootlegs, in which case it's probably less than 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a, it's one way to plug uh, that, that service that we provide. Um, <laughs> Give us money so there's less confusion about the time dilation of our podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you want to pretend like this is uh, at all relevant to uh, the, the current day in which it was recorded, uh, you can... You can uh, Go to theincomparable.com and uh, uh, get a little membership dealy there and uh, support this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a thing people can do. Do that Do that as a Christmas gift to me and Joe. Yes. Since we're not uh, selling merch this year. Also, Dan loves Christmas. I don't have a problem with Christmas. What's wrong with it Christmas? It seems like you have a problem with Christmas because you're very uh, defensive about people celebrating. It's It's November 18th. Well, now you've really dated the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, it is November 18th at 9, 10 p.m. There should not be multiple Christmas trees up uh, in people's well, windows. You're wrong because it's 8, 10 p.m. It's not. <laughs> in the location in which the trees and lights are present, it is 9, okay. 11 p.m. All right. Nope, 9, 11. <laughs> well, Travesty. Yeah, that's the movie we didn't talk about. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Harold and Kumar. <laughs> nice um, <laughs> transition in all of the worst ways. Uh, I mean, I don't know how else to do that. Uh, so Harold and Kumar, they went to White Castle. Uh, they did. Yeah, they they saw they conquered. Um, and then there's the they had some burgers. They got they got kind of high, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then Harold got a girlfriend, kinda. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his girlfriend, uh, was she? she's a model or something, she's going to Amsterdam. Oh, poor timing, man. And then, uh, hey, bro, we should totally go to Amsterdam because uh, marijuana is legal there, and that would be a cool vacation and fun stuff. Roll credits on movie number one. Open credits on movie number two. Yeah, so I... Well, I think I and you both, we just decided... There's a lot wrong with uh, Harold and Kumar escape uh, escape from Guantanamo Bay. Um, so we just have elected to elide that and just mm-hmm. read the Wikipedia to refresh our memories because yeah. um, I don't remember any like consequential plot elements of it so much as I remember uh, just a general feeling of wrongness uh, <laughs> about everything. Yeah, it's like take all of that uh early 2000s time and place bad uh doesn't hold up cultural joke reference misogyny and racism and all that fun stuff and then like attach that to Harold and Kumar attempting to make some sort of um institutionalized racism jokes about the government and uh just you know what it's like to be a person of color in America uh and then and then let 
whatever 15 years go by and uh uh turn george w bush into a pseudo sympathetic character uh no we don't need to we don't need to spend an hour and a half watching that movie we can read the wikipedia as you said so yeah that's what we did um do you want me to actually read the wikipedia or you just want me to like describe the things that are important that happen in that movie that are relevant to the third please, movie? please just mention the important parts because the unimportant yeah. parts are still <laughs> quite quite offensive and wrong <laughs> Yeah, so Maria's in Amsterdam. Uh, it picks up right where the first movie left off. They try to go. Um, antics ensue. Basically, uh, Kumar reconnects with a, an ex-girlfriend that he's still in love with who's about to get married. Um, blah, 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 yada, yada. Antics ensue. Uh, they break up the wedding. Uh, she's very upset, but uh, Kumar uh, professes his love, and they get back together. And then at the end... Uh, Kumar and his new old girlfriend Vanessa travel to Amsterdam to meet up with Maria and they have uh happy fun getting high in Amsterdam montage. Yeah, also um an important plot point is that uh MPH uh is shot in the back um yeah. because he uh yeah. branded a a prostitute according yeah. to he gets he gets yeah. high on mushrooms and smuggles them, smuggles them across state lines which is a briefly funny scene uh and then he takes them to uh a, a prostitution home and uh he bran- <laughs> I, like, I like how you tried to rephrase what they call it in the movie <laughs> yeah uh and then uh he he it's in texas i believe so he brands uh one of the women and then the madam of the home uh, shoots him in the back with a shotgun twice. And then they flee the scene as he is uh, spitting up blood and falling down on the front lawn. Uh, so there's that, which is, you know, tangentially relevant to the third movie. Because it does feature Neil Patrick Harris. And there is uh, a brief bit of discussion about, what was that all about? We yeah. watched you die. Yeah, they have the footage from the movie in here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jake Johnson is there as Jesus. Which was an interesting casting choice, but uh, it, I, I did like the description of heaven as a uh, like a, a club from the early nineties where lasers and everything. Um, oh, it was like being famous. What did you say it's like being famous in the mid nineties yeah. or something? I think early nineties is what he said. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, and this speaking of the time period, um, much in the same way as the other Harold and Kumar movies are very dated uh this is also dated and it is from the the ripe old year of 2011 uh so mm-hmm. it's i guess not even that old sort of in in like our frame of reference but it's been 10 years <laughs> so i mean it wouldn't feel quite as old if uh if it weren't for the dreadful stereo 3d Ah, uh, well, it was the style at the time. Um, it wasn't even really the style at the time. They no. just leaned into it so hard. Like, mm-hmm. it was the style for like a month when, was that Piranha 3D or whatever came out? I feel like this is around that same well, time. But I... This is, no, because uh, the, the, the time was Avatar. Um, that was the big 3D release that made 3D worth it. And there's even a throwaway joke about Avatar in here that Bobby Lee says, which is uh, not politically rep- correct, so I won't repeat it. Um, but he, it was a big deal at the time by 2011, it was less of a deal. And they even have jokes in the movie about how, you know, is this even anything anybody would care? Is 3d anything anybody would care about at this point? Um, and it's not, it's not an enduring legacy. Uh, at the very end of the movie, the main characters are, uh, well, not all of them, but several of the characters are gathered around a television set. 
with their 3D glasses on um, to watch <laughs> uh, the the confetti pop out of the screen. Um, mm-hmm. And nobody did that. Nobody did that in 2011. Um, oh, but I mean, I guess my my plasma TV um, shipped with uh, one pair of glasses which is how you know it was mm. really going to be a successful piece of technology um and uh it, it just it's like why 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 did was you it, do was that? it the active glasses that you had to charge up no no it was it was the the crap ones um i, I forget the i used to know all the terminology for these things because i worked in uh, the, the field of uh <laughs> st- stereo uh visual effects which wasn't was it just uh, active field. and passive 3d yeah but it remember the um uh it, the the polarized lenses like when you go mm-hmm. on the toy story ride or whatever and when you do those those things where they just hand you glasses or you see something yeah. that's really um uh i don't know if that brand still exists anymore they lost the building uh something else has taken that over in beverly hills um it's hard to believe that that didn't endure as a legacy uh but the the whole thing with 3d um is it's just such a throwaway gimmicky thing and they they do try to have fun with it in the movie in a in a sense but yeah be- this is not a this is not an avatar style movie where they're trying to ac- accurately represent the environment in 3D space well i don't think they uh, even just, tried to do that in avatar well they're not trying to immerse you in anything they're trying to uh blast you in the face with molten uh syrup from a, a waffle bot oh it's good that you went with syrup instead of the other <laughs> thing i was thinking not, you, you thought i was going the other no no uh, um yeah there's a lot of in your face stuff shall we say uh mm-hmm. it, it is definitely one of those 3d movies where it is um stuff coming out of the screen gags um yeah and you can Lots see of it. yeah you can see every single one of them even though it's in 2d because it's not how you would frame or compose that shot for any other yeah. reason I was going to say, I was going into this because I haven't seen it in a very long time. I have seen this movie before. I was wondering, you know, how annoying is it going to be? How many out of the screen 3D moments are there going to be that seem, you know, cute and uh, passe now? But uh, th- and there's a lot of them. But the, the bigger thing that struck me, I was, you know, a few minutes in and I, I went like, oh, OK, all of all of these shots are framed very, very weirdly. Uh, people are like right in the center of the screen in like extreme close up and everything is in focus all of the time. Even when things are out of focus, it's like extremely minimally out of focus stuff that's like 50 feet away. Like everything is in focus and it's very awkward looking, uh, not to mention the fact that the beam splitter gives everything this really horrible like, I don't know, uh, micro four thirds DSLR compressed looking flat, ugly colors kind of just oh, well, that, highlights blown out garbage that might also be from the panasonic genesis um but oh, was, was this shot on genesis <laughs> there is there was a, a big old uh logo for it at the very end of the movie also photochem oh. <laughs> so i don't know uh if uh, they, photochem was doing um i think it was just uh, their digital whatever yeah, they, department they were doing uh i can't even remember the name of the what, what's the what's the file that you package up stereo 3d stuff into uh uh, it goes in a file. Um, it's it's a yeah. specific type of file. Player. Yeah, I, yeah, we used them to convert one of our 3D things that we did uh, yeah. into a DL. No, I forget what it's called. Does it, DC, DCP. Uh, oh, digital DCP content package. package? Yes, one of those. You use yeah, one of they, those. For... That's not necessarily specific to 3D. I know, but that's that's what it, there was, it, it specifically had to, those had to be 3d anyway okay. no 3d had to be that you know what i mean <laughs> the 3D had to be that <laughs> photochem had to do a lot of that they did a lot of stereo conform crap back then yeah anyway so panasonic genesis uh is a camera 
um that is not also the worst camera i'm sorry not the worst camera not the well worst is wait wait, wait. You, said, you said panasonic you mean panavision genesis right oh yeah panavision genesis um sorry listeners at home who care very much about the distinction between panavision and panasonic <laughs> yeah it, which is, you know, actually relevant, but uh, most people don't care. Um, but the, the yeah, the G- the Genesis was one of the early, um, not the earliest, but one of the early uh, digital cameras, and yeah. it, it it um has some quirks. I uh, I had to work with footage from it on a few projects, um, and like, and not that you see it in this movie, but if you ever like pause on a frame on a movie that's shot with a Genesis camera and there's like a lot of extreme motion blur, you just see all kinds of weird shutter stuff because uh, I think that the readout on this was not super fast um, or something. So you would get that rolling shutter problem. Um, well, if I recall, and I'm not going to look this up because I don't care. Uh, I believe the Genesis was one of the last three CCD chip cameras and it was not a CMOS chip like they have in modern cameras now. Yeah, but there was something with the readout speeds on it, which would do weird crap with motion. Yeah, play. sure. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it is uh, it, it is of the era of the original RED camera, which had lots of problems, but was, was arguably a better camera than the Genesis. Yeah, well, I mean, nobody should... I, I would say that by 2011, you probably shouldn't have been shooting on a Genesis. Um, mm, but... Probably uh, a fair point. Yeah, because I think... But it had a reasonably sized, compact sort of, um, uh, you know, digital camera body, and it, it they had those digital like um, film mags that they could do, and I think they also had the thing where they could run the cable off uh, fiber optic cable to the recorder, so they could probably create a slightly smaller beam splitter rig with it. Which is probably why they went with it over because uh, I've worked on projects where they used uh, film with a beam splitter and. <laughs> Good That's not grief. a thing anyone should do. No, no, it's bad. Um, and while you can't see artifacts from beam splitters as well in a 2D movie, um, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> uh, if you were to be able to view this in 3D, I would be curious about the kinds of problems you would see. Because beam splitters, well, a lot of people might be like, oh, native stereo is the way to go. And it's like, well... Some pros and cons. Um, when you when you split the beam, uh, you get some interesting problems because it contributes um, uh, a certain uh, color cast sometimes, and it also will do strange things with reflections, especially mm-hmm. uh, where. Yeah. So imagine, uh, listener, going outside and putting on uh, polarized sunglasses with only one lens, and then uh, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, and then and then letting your other eye sort of adjust to the brightness. Yeah, and then just blink back and forth real fast, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll notice that stuff is uh, different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's one of the drawbacks of uh, especially with anything that was reflective or anything that was uh, like a, a tight specular highlight or was bright or whatever. Um, you, you get all kinds of strange things uh, and and different color cast issues um, because. It's, Glass and mirrors are imperfect. Yeah, it's bending light, uh, so it's going to do stuff. Um, you're not going to get anything that's perfectly clear. Uh, but the the fortunate thing, I guess, for home video uh, is that you only have <laughs> access to uh, one output of this process. So you're not... it feels like they picked the wrong eye for a lot of these <laughs> shots, doesn't it? Like it feels like they picked the weird through the beam splitter eye and not the reflected eye. I don't know why that would have been. I don't know. Um, uh, there's also a decision that gets made in the stereo process. Um, 
especially in something where they're converting uh, a portion or a large amount of the material, is that you decide which eye is your dominant eye um, for what will be considered the 2D output uh, and or 2D work that you're doing. And then also what eye is the 3D eye that that is really kind of following that. Um, and I mean, I suppose you can pick based on which exposed properly if you have an issue, but I think generally the left eye is the one that doesn't move in the rig. Right. Well, and see, everything I worked on um, was always left eye. But you can do things where the right eye is dominant, or you can also have things, especially on a 3D production, where you have a completely different... uh, You can have have a a different composed center um, where they might use, if you're actually shooting something, you would have to use a, a different take. But for something with CG, you can just use what would be the actual center camera because if you picked something that was the left or the right you'd have something that was at an angle that wasn't dead onto camera if what you wanted was something that was dead onto camera mm-hmm. and so you can actually wind up with multiple versions of a movie where if you play back like even if you have a project where the left eye is dominant if you played back the left eye version of this movie versus the uh, like if they had like a flat release or something not that they did that with this movie but like um with like Alice in Wonderland or G Force <laughs> or Avatar or something like that, where you if you just pick one of the three D eyes outputs and you compare it to what they release as their two D version of the movie, um, you may see differences uh, that you otherwise wouldn't see, or compositionally th- strange things that um, would only exist in the three D version. I'm having so many bad memories right now because uh, the the other thing, dear listener, that you you may not assume by listening to this is uh you know sometimes by virtue of reflection or something the the, one of the eyes might just like not work might just be wrong might just be Mm -hmm. bad uh and and in that instance what you do is you you compare the two eyes to find the difference between them and then you tell computer uh invent me a new eye right in this (laughs) location where the camera didn't used to be and uh that works about as well as uh like portrait mode kind of (laughs) but like worse yeah, it's not good. It's not good at recreating the entire thing. That's for sure. Yeah, um, it'll get you like sixty percent of the way there, maybe. I mean, yeah, it's better than nothing. But uh, mm. but, but we have we have we have one listener in our YouTube chat who says uh, I've done three D paint on two different movies. Uh, and if three D paint sounds like a term that shouldn't exist, uh, you're right. It should not exist. It's just an awful thing to do. Um, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I don't personally care for that at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. And there are different tools that different vendors will use in order to compensate for these sorts of things. Uh, it can all vary. I don't know what they did with this movie. Um, and <laughs> who, who did what the would, post on this? I didn't even bother to look it up. Uh, in, in, Ingenuity Engine and oh. I think the other one was Furious VFX. I Ingenuity saw... Engine famous for making uh, Taylor Swift, Joseph Kahn music videos. Oh, good. Good for them. I, they've done lots of other things. That's just what I primarily remember them for. They're, they're, they're much bigger now. They're just Ingenuity Studios now, I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw one of my um, uh, supervisor's uh, names in here. Um, so mm-hmm. I was a little surprised. Uh, it's that. also worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, go ahead. You're your supervisor. No, I just haven't. I, I didn't. It didn't come up when I talked to him uh, that he worked on <laughs> a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, the director, uh, Todd Strauss-Schulson, uh, I follow him on Twitter and have for a very long time. Um, I, I, I like some of his stuff. He's done commercials and music videos. He made a, a short film a long time ago that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it, I, it's an odd choice that he was thrown into the mix here. I have no idea why, because as far as I'm aware, he didn't have any particular 
uh, familiarity with stereo 3D before this, um, one of his shorts relied heavily on motion control. So maybe like they figured he had like a grasp of technology and we're like, yeah, you can have at it. Uh, stoners and technology. It's all you. Yeah, I would have no idea why he would be picked for this. Um, it seems to be one of those things where like somebody's like, oh, hey, like your thing. Uh, yeah. And then they, mm-hmm. they hire him. I got some heat off of his short film and mm-hmm. he was there in variety and then they're like boom i mean kumar 3d this is not the kind of thing that i think is really difficult to um do well because i don't think you can do it well i think you can just make a harold and kumar movie (laughs) um so uh there is no do well there is just do or do not there's just try (laughs) kumars yeah um oh before we entirely leave the technical discussion Mm -hmm. uh, one thing else uh i wanted to, to ask you about is um the 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 color uh lighting that they did in this that i certainly didn't realize at the time because i think i did see it in 3d the first time um in in a lot of these scenes they light the characters in the foreground in like this like really red or magenta cast and the background in like a blue cast uh not not specifically because they're trying to do anything like anaglyphy or whatever but i thought it was an interesting way that it seemed like they were trying to add additional just visual separation data between the foreground and the background uh and i've never really given much thought to that or seen anyone else do that did you notice that no i mean like you said i noticed more that they uh they went for a uh more depth of field um where Mm -hmm. things are more in focus um it's horribly distracting it's like everything is sharp well everything is the same medium level of sharp well the, the problem though um, for listeners who, who don't know, because we kind of glossed over this part of it, which is uh, the the focus level that you have stuff at is uh, fine in most movies because it's what's giving you that depth separation where you have yeah. you you would like to have shallow focus, and that's what separates your character from the background. Mm-hmm. Um, we shoot portrait mode photos because the blurry part says, "Hey, look over at the sharp part to your eyeballs." Yes, but in three D. If you have an extremely blurry background, it is kind of at no depth, um, or it just kind of mushes to uh, nothingness. Um, mm-hmm. if you or if ha- you try to look at the blurry stuff intentionally because you want to look around the scene, uh, you kind of can't, or it hurts your brain. Yeah. So what you want to do then is to not have stuff be so out of focus, because then you will have your brain is able to separate out the... Um, well, not separate, but join the separate images um, in a way where it can try to place depth um, in a way where if you if that was just all a blur, there's no way for your mind to be able to uh, stitch that together into anything other than just mush. Um, so you, that's why you need to have more data there visually for your for your eyeballs. Um, also, the reason why things would be centered in frame, um, for example, like Dan mentioned, uh, especially whenever we were in the car. Um, uh, doing those those uh, co- weird close-up shots where you're basically framing the head of every actor to be in the center and also <laughs> to give it just a little room on the top and bottom because you can't have their head break frame or you're going to break the 3D depth because anytime anything hits the edge of frame and your eye is going up there, then you've broken the 3D illusion because the, the screen depth relative to what your other depth is is a totally different issue. And of course you could do things like, Oh, we're playing the entire movie inside screen, um, which can happen. 
or mm-hmm. most of the movie inside screen. And so then like it's watching, kind of, watching a play, it's like a diorama, big floating r- diorama box. Right. But in a movie like this, where they're leaning heavily on the stuff coming out of screen gags, <laughs> um, you're basically going to be playing the screen. I'm just guessing here, since I didn't see this in 3D. You're going to be basically playing the screen depth probably somewhere around their ears or head or uh, side of their head or something. So that yeah. there's some depth of their face coming out of the screen, but not like they're not like a crazy 3D gag, just something that gives it more depth out of the screen than than into. Um, and so that's why you wouldn't want to have their head touch the edges of frame. Um, it's insane to yeah. think that we thought we could make entire movies like that. No, it, it's just wild to think that we've we've contaminated uh, so many movies um, for the sake of uh, some sort of, you know, distribution deal of getting some money. Um, it, like, I'm sure that when they were writing this, when uh, John Hurwitz and uh, Hayden Schlossberg, um, who uh, I believe both of them wrote the previous installments um when they're when they're writing That's this weird that they they only have character credits as writers did the writer like take their name off of this movie oh i don't know i'm just looking at the wikipedia page where it says written by oh written by oh they, okay they have character and written by it just listed characters first but if you go into the full thing anyway yeah proceed. anyway they have um uh because they're not writing this to make 3d spectacle they're writing this as a joke about 3d um what they're doing and how they're writing is going to be different than something else that is also a product of this time where it was 3d but serious and on purpose um (laughs) serious and on purpose yeah like the aforementioned alice in wonderland and uh the avatar and all that um examples of serious 3d on purpose um whereas uh this is we're we're doing this for the jokes uh so we're gonna write in 3d jokes we're gonna uh direct this with 3d gags um and uh that's just how they're gonna approach it another Mm -hmm. drawback we're gonna add some animation segments in here to utilize Mm -hmm. 3d animation we're gonna have some claymation scenes later because why not yeah also um it's worth mentioning uh that when you're shooting stuff native um in native 3d with a beam splitter there's no uh do over button so like dan said you have to reconstruct if something's like seriously wrong um you can only shift the images against each other uh if you want if you realize that there's some depth issue which doesn't change the uh interaxial um which is like the angle of things if you want to think about it that way there's like the distance things are apart but then there's also like the angle of things does that make sense? The way I'm describing oh, I, it? I, I understand what you mean. Yeah, no, I think I, so. Well, I'm asking you if that would make sense <laughs> to somebody who wouldn't know who wasn't you. Uh, so, like, picture mm-hmm. how far apart your eyeballs are, and then picture, like, your eyeballs angling towards one another because they're, like, trying to focus on a single point. Right. And so, when you have your... Uh, when you move the images against each other, you can sort of, like, change the um overall depth of things like pushing them forwards and backwards but when you change the angle of your uh cameras or your eyeball or your beam splitter then what you're doing is you're changing the volume of things basically i like like if somebody's head was in the shot and you were and you wanted it to seem like extremely exaggerated and coming out of the screen then you would shoot it a certain way um, whereas if you wanted it to appear to be naturalistic, you would shoot it a different way. And if you change your mind later, 
you can adjust the overall depth of things, but you cannot ever fix the the angle that you shot that at. Um, mm. The that that's going to be baked into that, right? Which is why you need to calculate the overall depth of the scene, uh, so so you you understand how far stuff is coming forward or going into depth. But the primary measurement. Why are we spending so much time going this deep on stereo three D? I don't because uh, somebody's got to Dan. <laughs> Somebody yeah, needs to I know. Was say, we've never talked about this stuff before, <laughs> probably. But anyway, when you're measuring that closest foreground to deepest background stuff that you're comp- you're you're trying to to figure out on set because, like Joe said, you can't change that. Uh, the the one of the variables that you have to factor in is the size of the screen and the distance of the viewer. So, uh, if you're making this for a theater uh, and you max out your depth, it's going to look a little flat on a home TV. If you're trying to be slightly conservative on a on a movie screen and make it look slightly real by the time it gets to a tv screen it might look like there's basically no depth there at all yeah um like an example of this is i don't know if anybody here uh dan you included um and people who cannot respond to me uh <laughs> if you if you've ever seen like you got me you and austin right now that's who, yeah. who our sample group is if you watch if you watch uh like a pixar movie um they're when they were doing 3D movies, they were very conservative um, with the 3D. It felt like they didn't want to do it, basically. Um, and so you wound up with something that was very, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say naturalistic, but you you would wind up with something where it's like, why is this in 3D? Uh, there's, there's nothing about this that is staged for 3D. There's nothing about this that feels 3D in any meaningful sense. All the cameras, I think, were, were parallel and uh, merged in depth later. They didn't do any actual toe-in cameras, if I recall. Yeah, it, so it's just like, all right, well, that's kind of worthless. That's a waste of everybody's time. But then on the other hand, you've <laughs> got... They can just render the stereo cameras and then put a regular camera right in the middle and they can have a 2d output that's you know perfect and then a 3d output that's whatever yeah and then if you, you have the other end of the spectrum where you've got like the filmmakers like these guys and um you know like robert zemeckis and james cameron and whatever and it's like yeah i wanted to feel 3d i want it in your face and then it's like okay great and then if you watch beowulf there's that spear um everybody who's seen beowulf in 3d knows what i'm talking about where it, it is coming out of the camera into your eyeball um and then through your eyeball and into your ocular nerve. Um, so it is uh, an unpleasant viewing experience if people take this thing to be take this thing too far um, to push the um, the the distance that you're uh, that you're trying to get out of this stuff to make things feel like they're coming into uh, coming into the audience um, more than you would expect. And Dan's point about exhibition. Um, the way you would deal with like, oh, well, what's IMAX going to be? What's what's, you know, uh, the appropriate home viewing experience going to be? Um, is this active 3D? Is this passive 3D? Is this, um, you know, because uh, there was a, a brief fad. How dark is it going to be because of oh, what God. type of stupid glasses they have on? How do we compensate for that when we're shooting and doing posts? Yeah, because one of the big complaints about 3D is that the um, projections would be uh the image would be darker overall because you're wearing something that's filtering some of the light and there's also a filter in front of the camera uh sorry in front of the projector um pushing that light out so you're filtering filtering so you're losing about a stop of light i want to say in many situations um at least and probably too yeah yeah so you're just like uh, okay well there was this darker 
for no reason if you're watching like a Pixar animated movie. Um, or uh, sometimes they would try to compensate the by making things brighter, but there's only so much you could do with like film projectors and being able to do that. Um, most of the time this th- stuff would be exhibited, uh, digitally. And if you had a crappy digital projector, um, well then you had a dark digital projection too. Uh, did, so, I, did I ever tell yeah. you about the, the, the 3d experience that gave me the, the biggest headache? No. Uh, I, I went and saw, I don't know which one it was. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I was bored. I went and saw a transformer movie in 3d and, uh, I think they had the right, digital projection setup it was nice and bright but by the end of the movie my head was killing me and i took Mm -hmm. my glasses off during the credits and there was legitimately like an eight inch vertical disparity between the two eyes and i was like oh okay so somebody just bumped the projector and it's wrong and i've just been watching two hours of like my my right eye trying to crawl down my face that's great so yeah there's nobody who's really checking that uh, at all i think i think i even bothered to like on my way to the car like i filled out like a um, report a projection issue thing <laughs> on the, the AMC website. I'm like, please fix this. It caused me so much harm. Just tilt, just tilt the other camera up a little bit or it a just, projector. That doesn't go anywhere. This is a web form. This goes straight to the trash. Um, but the, <laughs> it should. The, uh, yeah, the, uh, like the, somebody paid to watch a Transformers movie in 3D. This guy's an idiot. Yeah. I mean, ugh. uh, but the, 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 uh, the experience of 3D was such a, weird thing and change the world just then, in the same way that uh a few short years later so did vr and then uh ar yeah and then tv tried to cash in on the wave of 3d uh by some shows would have parts of the show in 3d and they i remember do you remember the mailers where they would send you like some of the yeah anaglyph like glasses yeah, I, in the mail I, I watched i watched a couple episodes of chuck with anaglyph why, glasses why on. did you do that <laughs> I don't know because I think uh, I feel like Intel sponsored an episode too, and I, I got some oh. Intel branded glasses that also had some Chuck branding on them or something. And oh dear! I watched that show for a little while. It, it was in the first season. It was mildly entertaining, and then it got real, real fast. But yeah, I watched uh, I watched you know grayscale anaglyph Chuck from my home. <laughs> well, anyway, that was a fad that didn't catch on for reasons <laughs> that no one will be able to guess. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, they, and then the home, there was no standards for delivery of like home video uh, for 3D stuff, um, except for like they tried to like retroactively do things with the Blu-rays and stuff. And it just never worked out like the, you know, system for everybody's TV. Like, um, I believe there were some projectors you could buy for the home that would have it. Uh, and it's just like, OK, like that's just one way of telling people you have millions of dollars and nothing better to do with it. But the 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 experience was so bad. That no one has a way to watch this movie, um, really in 3D now. Uh, in, in, Honestly, I, I probably would have if yeah. I had a way to do it. Yeah, I mean, if I knew where those glasses were, the 3D glasses for my TV, maybe I could have fished them out and tried to do that. But I don't think <laughs> Netflix even has a stream for it. No, where would you even watch this? You would probably have to buy yourself a DVD and get a 3D DVD player or something. Yeah, because you also had to, uh, just the amount of special gear and equipment that is required to do something that you don't really want to do and will actually, like, hurt your head. It's like, why, you why would you do future. it? You buy the 3D TV and 3D DVD player, and then it'll also play 2D stuff, too. But you got that extra bit there when everything, when it finally hits mainstream. Yeah, it was, it was like, what a fad. Anyway, so. <laughs> Austin says uh, he, he watched 3D stuff at home and even hooked up his PC to play games in 3D. Of course he did. Oh, well, you know. There's always one not representative sample um, of (laughs) the experience of watching stuff in 3D. Uh, Mm. But watching this particular movie in 3D, you're just left with the artifacts of the decisions that are made in terms of shooting this for 3D. 
Um, and I didn't check to see the cinematographer, Michael Barrett, uh, what he's done in terms of 3D. Uh, I'm scrolling. But... Michael Barrett, director of photography. Oh, he did Ted. Great. Everyone loves Mark Wahlberg. Kiss Case Bang Bang. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Where does this land in his... You don't mess with uh, the Zohan? Okay. Zookeeper. Ah, uh-huh. see, that's another Genesis camera um movie well that was right before this yeah uh, does, did Zoopy, zookeeper get a 3d release no i don't think so they didn't have them i don't think they wanted to spend the money on it bucky larson same year mm-hmm. wow um yeah because that was the, the decline really of 3d too <laughs> hey million ways to die in the west your favorite uh filmmaker mm. Mm. about last night what is this why does that name sound familiar oh he did uh, 2018's runaway hit, Gotti, um, the <laughs> movie pass the, movie. The movie pass movie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it doesn't seem like he has any particular uh, aptitude in terms of 3D that would have lent him to doing this project. Uh, yeah, I don't but, see any other yeah. 3D. I mean, look, neither do I, and I've shot stereo 3D. Like, Wait, why'd you jerk? do that? Because I felt like it. I mean, somebody said this would be cool, right? And I was like, yeah, why not? You, you're going to pay for it, right? Where where was that exhibited? Uh, uh, have you ever been to the um, Anaheim Convention Center? Uh, I've been to the Marriott attached to the Anaheim Convention Center. Does that count? Yeah. So have you ever walked past the uh, the big round dome looking building on your way to Disneyland? It's like right there against the street. Anyway, they have a giant okay. like theater in there. And uh, it, it was an Intel conference. We shot uh, we we shot like factory stuff in stereo 3D, and we put up a uh, I think it was like 174 foot wide screen uh, or something, and handed glasses out to everyone. It was a debacle. It was the worst. So we you can have the experience of being inside a chip factory. <laughs> so much money. Yeah, I mean that was the whole point. It was like you know it was for the sales team who was not allowed to go inside the very expensive factories. And he's like, let's show you what the cool factory looks like on the inside in 3d. Otherwise you'd um, have no way of knowing what a factory is like. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, you could get right in there, like inside the machinery, which actually looked pretty cool to like stick a 3d camera, like in the machinery. Um, but we spent so much money and it looked not great. Cause everything's shiny and reflective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, it was the original, uh, Alexa cameras, uh, and it's just the yellow light and the, it was, it was, it was a disaster. Everything about it was garbage and it just cost a whole lot of money and, uh, it made me very sad, but yeah. anyway, we did it. We did a thing. <sighs> you did it, Dan. Yeah. Element Technica rig. Um, what was it? Uh, uh, what are those lenses? I can't even think of the name of lenses anymore. I've been in post too long. Um, it's a big, long foreign sound. <laughs> Big long foreign sounding name. Um, the the uh, and Angino Optimo oh, seventeen to forty zoom lenses. Yeah, I, I don't know if you ever watched the in depth uh, Cine uh, uh, YouTube channel. There's like this guy from South Africa who's like an uh, like first AC or something on on projects. But he in his meantime on his uh, downtime does all these little dissections of like the gear that s- cinematographers use, and basically that's the only zoom lens that everyone uses uh, is the Angino Optic uh, Optima. Um, yeah, it it uh, it has surprisingly little distortion at the wide end, which is why it was chosen by a lot. But it's not a fast lens. No, it's also uh, huge. Yeah, it's it's about uh, fourteen inches long, and it's not calibrated very well. So I think like seventeen mil on one lens was like twenty one mil on the other lens, which you have to match 
by eye. I mean, there's special charts for it all, all and stuff. Anyway, uh, Stereo 3D is stupid. Don't shoot Stereo Yeah, 3D. no. And so this movie really didn't have any, like, good reason to do this. Um, and that leaves I us mean, with a bad reason to do it. If you had to pick a single shot from this movie that was worth the Stereo 3D price of admission, what would it be? I mean, I didn't see it in 3D, so I don't know how the 3D version of it would have gone. Um, but I, I don't know, uh, honestly, because everything that they picked for a 3D gag was childish uh, mm-hmm. and immature. So it's like... Well, you got the flying joint that came way out in space and then went back in the windows and that, set the tree on fire. Really did not look good, um, even <laughs> just like by the standards of uh, you know, 2D and... Uh, I mean, it's a, it was a like ten inch long joint sent by Santa Claus in a custom wooden box. Like, yeah, what do you expect? It just didn't look very good. Um, the three D rendering of it, but the uh, you said you saying the slow motion turntable of it as it got close to the lens is not realistic. It, yeah, it looked poor, of poor quality, um, mm. poor craftsmanship uh, digitally. But uh, the 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 I don't know. I don't have anything that I would pick. I have things that would have shocked me had i seen them in 3d that i could list um but uh it, it was scarred like me the one where the uh when they were when uh the one guy wasn't paying attention while driving uh and started hitting all the barrels and one of them flew towards lens and actually uh crashed into the lens glass yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean they were not the first ones to do that gag um but uh, yeah, they, they they shouldn't have continued the tradition no, no. They, they there was a lot of um a lot of stuff like that i i, I don't know I, they, they, most of the stuff in here is just like hey here's the thing and it's sticking out and um most of the time it'd be because somebody had a thing that was sticking out like literally on their person um or in their their <laughs> fake person um like I, I i there's not there's no there's no use of 3d in here which is like clever in like wow i can't believe that you guys would have staged this in order to do this thing in 3D that would really deliver on this joke. It's most of the time it's just like, oh, here's a shocking thing that's sticking out of the camera at you. Um, so that's it's not. I don't consider that to be anything I would want to like. I mean, yeah, they could have added a boring sound effect to uh, everything, and it would have been just as uh, well integrated into the scene. Yeah, because because it, it, it really just doesn't 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 work uh, in that in that sense. Now. What was it in the opening? There was something that it was like an extremely drawn out, like slow motion shot of somebody like throwing something direct to the camera. What was oh, that? that? Was the I eggs. Can't remember. All the was eggs. It? Yeah, there. Uh, um, Bobby Lee in the beginning, the first gag is he does the, the like the pointing at Harold theoretically, but he's really pointing at the audience with his ha- fingers sticking out at the audience. Um, and then Harold says, "Who are you pointing at?" Um, so that's the joke. And then when they go down to the street. Uh, and there's eggs being thrown. Um, then there's slow motion of the eggs flying at camera, being digitally replaced with uh, slow mo digital eggs, um, and uh, a ton of eggs being used in that scene. Uh, and then we get the other stuff where they're in the car, and then later on with the beer pong, we the beer pong balls. Um, we get oh right where he turns and throws it directly at camera, and it like bounces off the wall and stuff. That that probably looks pretty cool. Yeah, and there's, you know, the, 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 the like, probably the big uh, shocking moment, uh, of course, with the clay penis, um, when Harold and Kumar turn into stop motion because this is a Christmas movie, and so you have to have a stop motion 
moment. They're they're full of cocaine. They're full of cocaine. Um, and uh, they have uh, just Kumar whips out his penis, and it is this comically oversized clay penis. Um, well, you know, let's let's not. We don't know. We yeah. In real life, he could have. He <laughs> we don't have, have evidence to that. To that. Um, see, see a doctor. Uh, but the the, the you know, that's... lasts more than four hours. <laughs> oh, damn! <laughs> but uh, they he started it. Yeah, they uh, they have that. And they, then there's another moment where you know Kumar's talking about how excited Danny Trejo is going to be. Uh, that he'll probably jizz on the tree, <laughs> and they decide to have digital um jizz basically uh and it is like a freeze frame in 3d uh 3d bullet time rotation around it uh which is um they probably had fun on set that day i am gonna assume so or or at least danny trejo did he's like you want me to do what um but anyway (laughs) you know i for for the record i don't think he actually did no he didn't think that was captured live on set no i don't think they i I don't think they shot any augmentation i don't think they shot any reference for that no um but the (laughs) God. Yeah, the, the there's a lot of like uh those bullet timey moments in this too, uh surprisingly. Because uh talk about something that would have been out of vogue uh in twenty eleven that's I mean, bullet they time. really wanted to give you time to really experience the three D depth of the things coming out of the screen at you. It's sort of like um you, you remember when uh what were they called? Uh cinemagra cinemagraphs or whatever that when people were like oh i can make a a, a gif of like it's wobbling images back and forth and it's like it, it's basically like that but they they're, they're like here's bullet time but what if we just went like with a slight camera rotation in in the slow motion stop frame mm-hmm. um and, and that was what they would use like when they're planning the heist uh from the church uh there's a lot of stuff where you're just you know compositing together various elements with sort of like a fake 3d drift on things mm-hmm. uh in order a lot of you know you can throw mm-hmm. in a particle system there and then that sort of adds some nice fake depth you got like you know smoke particles or little sparks and stuff yeah and i'm sure all the snow in the movie is 3d uh but blah i don't know it, 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 all of it's just like it's gags but it's not like here's a gag that is a joke it's a gag that's just a gag um so you know there's I mean, you're that. really watching you're watching two movies you're watching uh you're watching 3d stereo 3d gag exhibition and then you're watching uh harold and kumar really sort of uh rediscovered the true meaning of christmas and friendship mm-hmm. and uh and family mm-hmm. and uh waffles yeah and also you have uh <sighs> it's interesting that they kept the same writers basically through this process because you see their sort of struggle with maturity and adulthood reflected in the material that they're writing. Um, Is that right? Is that what we see? Well, because this is not a mature adult movie, um, but it it pretends that it is one of the concerns that the main character, uh, uh, Harold, has, is being uh, uh, an adult who is responsible. And it's... it's it's dancing that line saying, I can still be the fun, carefree, silly, uh, get stoned guy uh, I was in my 20s and uh, laugh at um, poop and fart jokes and stuff. But also, I really want to be a good husband and father and stuff, and family is very important to me. And, uh, you know, the, the the people that you make memories and poop and fart jokes with can be part of your family, too. Yeah. And, you know, that just... It's not wrong. No, it's... but, but they, they also don't... This is not a more adult 
film in terms of how they're actually handling things. Like, there are still no women in this series who are actual fleshed out characters with, like, anything going on. Mm. The women in this movie are primarily concerned with pregnancy. <laughs> I, I mean, Vanessa had a, 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 an extremely small character arc in number two where she was basically getting married to this overbearing um racist dickhead and she decides that she to choose her own identity that he is suppressing and her own happiness over top of that but really that just means um she wants to go be happy and uh get high with kumar again yeah and but in but in this movie which is about as much character development as you're going to get in a harold and kumar movie let's be honest no i know but what i'm saying is like the the men are primarily concerned with how will I be a father or an adult? And the women have gone from being things that you ogle to being the thing that produces a child uh, in the relationship that you are in. And mm -hmm. there is no, there's still no character for them. And there are still women in the background of all of these movies who are topless, pantsless. Yeah, there's a lot of that in here. Yeah. And so it's just like, so... I mean, it, it is in Kumar's fantasy dream sequences, which, I mean, you know, says all you need to know about his mental state there. No, right. But you could you could say like, oh, well, that's just one character's point of view. But the film shows us his point of view and also shows us none of the points of view of like women as like complete people. Um the furthest we go is uh, what's her face, uh, the, uh, the background dancer that Neil Patrick Harris takes to her dressing room and attempts to uh, a well. Violates? I'm not going to say the words that happen, but anyway, he he does something that is wrong, and she calls him on that being wrong and leaves, and so and threatens it, to remove part of his anatomy if he does it again. Right, and so it's just like okay, well. That's the movie saying that this is something that's wrong. And it's like, okay, that's good. That's, that's the movie saying there is a line somewhere. Yeah, it's saying we do not endorse people doing that. And it's just like, okay, I guess that's that's something. But it's still like, well, what's... Well, yeah, there's there's these movies have right and wrong and um, childish antics and what they presume to be what it's like to be a grown-up. But they still understand the difference between stuff that is uh, socially and morally wrong. Sort of? Sort of. I mean, you know, primarily, again, the entire franchise is focused on uh, racism and uh, sort of power dynamics, you know, the work-related stuff and the cop stuff and, yeah, all of the all of the government things in the second one. Yeah, although, fortunately, mercifully, that's not here. Um, instead, yeah, I, think that, I think they realized it was a little heavy-handed in the second movie. They didn't need to base an entire second movie on the, the jerk cops from the first movie. No. But the uh, what but what I'm saying is like when you're having a movie about these characters becoming adults basically, um, and then to have them only slightly, very, very, very slightly, uh, be sort of different in a world that is also very only very slightly different, then it's like okay, well, I mean, I guess they're more adult, but in like the context of this world, where like I guess this is what adulthood is there, but it is not much of them changes. They just slightly care about the needs of another person, ever so slightly. Like it yeah. is, <laughs> like he's concerned about you know getting high all the time, and he's just going to make sure that he has enough weed for both of them. Right, and 
But what Kumar does when he sneaks into her room in the middle of the night, also something that's probably over a line that you should not cross. But uh, when he that was does, a different time. <laughs> yeah, it was the style of the time ten years ago. Uh, but when he goes this into movie was made by John Hughes in the eighties, right? <laughs> well, then it would be socially acceptable. Uh, but the uh, yeah, when when Kumar goes into her room and says like he's going to give up weed and all this stuff. It's then the the movie's writers then have to make it her job of saying, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to give up weed. I don't want you to stop smoking. I want you to have fun. Um, and so she has to be the one in the movie to say, no, you can still be Kumar. You don't need to change, uh, which is, you know, annoying. Um, yeah, we, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking you to give up your identity. I'm just asking you to, you know, be a part of this thing that we're doing together, which is, uh, an extremely male oriented fantasy of what it might be like to be an adult with a child. Right. And <sighs> wouldn't it be awesome if you like married this super cool chick who didn't want to change anything about you unless you get high all the time, but also wanted to have your kids and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It is, it is a fantasy at, uh, her expense where she's not a character she's not a person and and she's just this vessel um in the film for accomplishing these things uh so relationships uh you know they're 50 50 partnership and one person is going to you know kind of be an adult and carry a child and the other one just has to like you know make sure that they uh they they don't get too high too often or like when they're when they're taking pee tests that they don't use their own pee Yes. Yeah, so that's basically what the movie... I mean, that's literally what the movie says, yeah, to be she, honest. it's a line that she says. Um, but the... Uh, so it... It doesn't really tackle um, the adulthood issues that it's trying to raise as, like, issues of, like, Kumar not being an adult, because then at the end it says, no, you don't have to um, be an adult, uh, really. Like, you just will need to be the father, uh, I guess, on paperwork, and show up occasionally maybe i don't know it, it like the movie doesn't resolve that like because it can't sap him of being kumar from the harold and kumar movies um whereas harold's destiny basically has been to not be fun the entire time uh so he can he's the one who's being more of an adult and he's the one who has to loosen up back up back to being more immature by the end of yeah. the film. I mean, look, if there's another thing to take away from the series of movies, it's that these writers don't really know how to do a third act where like oh, stuff God. actually changes. Mm-hmm. Like the third act in these movies is, you know, the characters sit down and go like, wow, man, life is kind of crazy and things could be a little different, huh? Uh, roll credits. Like that's, that's the extent of it. Like in the first movie, uh, you know, they, they fix their friendship. Uh, he's looking forward to going to work. And then, they, you know, they're happy and they're like, let's go to Amsterdam. And in, in the next one, it's like, you know, they meet George W. Bush and George W. Bush is like, hey, man, uh, there's a lot of messed up stuff in the world. But like, you know, you can't lose faith in your country, even if you don't believe in the government. And then it's like roll credit. So it's like, mm-hmm. I guess you kind of have to like watch the movie that's between movie three and four that doesn't exist to actually see their their real growth or like, you know the cold open of number four would be where they, you actually witness their growth if they're going to have any, cause they don't know how to put it in this movie. No. Uh, and I, you know, I don't want to unfairly say that this, that the Harold and Kumar franchise needs to give me this depth, um, in these characters. But when you're saying that the themes are growing up and being an adult about stuff and then to just undermine it all and throw it out the window by the end to say like being immature <laughs> and fun is the way to go. 
Um, yeah, their version of being an adult is just being slightly less immature children. Yeah, I mean, I can only assume that John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg are awful um in real life and i wouldn't want to hang out with them <laughs> but i mean you probably don't want to hang out with a lot of people in general but, no i guess you know. that's true uh you caught me on that one Ooh, uh, but, look at that uh john hurwitz uh has been announced as the writer for american pie 5 that needs to happen sure why 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 would they why would they possibly make american pie 5? oh it even has a summary it will be a holiday that has jim and the crew getting into trouble in vegas comma usa <laughs> is this did they are they really getting the actual cast uh of... oh, directed by Hayden Schlossberg? No. Top cast is uh Eddie Thomas who plays uh uh one of the one of the two characters in this movie. Uh what what is his name? One of the uh, Goldstein or the other one. Yeah, yeah, um the he isn't he Fitch in the American Pie series? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't yeah. want to Finch. I, I wasn't going to say that because I didn't assume you actually under like knew any of the characters from American Pie. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, uh, uh, the Shermanator is also attached to the film, but those are the oh, only two good. cast he's, members announced. He's a tough get. Um, he's very busy. <laughs> Shermanator. Chris, his name is Chris Owen. I feel like I went to school with a guy named Chris Owen. I didn't realize that was his name. I don't know. They made a lot of direct-to-video American Pie stuff. Sure. So in the same way the Van Wilder franchise rapidly uh they made a sequel mm-hmm. slash spin-off and then they like it's Van Wilder's little brother slash cousin and these are straight to DVD. Yeah. And I don't I didn't watch any of those. I don't know. I and it's not saying that um you cannot make good stuff for the small screen because obviously you can. Um but when your goal we is do. that's all we do is make good stuff for the small screen. <laughs> when when your goal is uh, we're just going to make something that couldn't possibly be a movie, uh, just because it's not. We own where... some intellectual property. Yeah, th- then maybe it's gonna not be so great. But you know, whatever. People just get paid, um, and that's what they want. Uh, so that's fine, I guess. I'm not gonna hold that against them. There are. It. I, I will admit that this movie, um, while railing against uh, the the uh, the lack of character development and seriousness. Uh, uh, turns of the uh characters in terms of growth uh i will say that begrudgingly there are some funny moments in here um where you know it's not (sighs) generally not like thigh slappers or anything but it's like yeah you know that was pretty funny that you know this thing happened in here or that was pretty ridiculous they Uh, they continue to add the the same sort of comedy that you find in a harold and kumar movie which you begrudgingly regret uh uh, tickles your inner immature teenager a bit and uh, makes you laugh, even though you probably shouldn't. Yeah, because it is all immature stuff. Like, there's none of this. There's no. Uh, there's no clever wordplay in here. There's no like, uh, you know, third level like chess, like dark plot of uh, comedic timing. There's no French They're farce. They're not playing 3D, 3D chess and Harold no, Kumar. No, 3D no 3D Christmas. chess. Uh, speaking of Star Trek, there is this, uh, uh, an, an overt Star Trek reference in here when uh, uh, um, what's-his-face? Um, Adrian uh, refers to Harold as Sulu uh, because John Cho was Sulu by this point. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is it, did that happen at this point? Was that announced? Yeah, Star Trek 2009. Was that just convenient timing? No, Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek came out in 2009. 
Wow, it's a good joke that they got in there. Yeah, it's, it's really clever. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's in fact Sulu, so that's not really an insult, is it? It was the credit that he had right before doing this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he went from Star Trek with J.J. Abrams to a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And then he was in American Reunion. He was. Yes, a yes. Uh, never seen it. 2012 uh, American Pie ensemble. Um, Written and directed by John Hurwitz and Jaden Schloss- and Hayden Schlossberg. Um, it is the fourth installment of the American Pie series. Is it weird that I didn't realize that they were so entangled in the the American Pie series? And it makes me like the Harold and Kumar movies less now that I know that. <laughs> uh, probably. Because, I mean, like, talk about immaturity and not being able to, like, deal with women as characters. In those yeah, movies. but, like, also pretending like they are you talking like that fake pretending to be an adult and grow like the whole yeah. american pie franchise is like oh i've really learned something about what it like what it's like to be uh you know not an adult but like the next stage in it of of growth and adulthood from high school to college or whatever like those movies are all about that and they are so absolutely cringeworthy and they were even back then like it's not even like oh they don't hold up they're just no, the worst no no yeah but if you were younger in that time period then you would think it was funnier because you didn't know any better um, because all of the comedy of that era was like this um, kind of stuff. Yeah, but you like, like can't it, hardly wait. And then you'd go on to American pie as like but the American next pie was like the even more crass, like base level version of it. Like it wasn't, uh, it, it was, it was even dumb, like dumber in like a less clever way. Yeah. I, well, like I just said, they, they are incapable of clever. Like everything in here is like just as, overt and crude as it could be um and so you may laugh at that on occasion but it is not because they did anything like next level with what they were writing maybe it's just because um uh the the john show and uh wow my brain i'm looking at the american podcast and i just went like jason biggs like and chris mm-hmm. klein they're 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 the worst actors that you've ever seen Wait, john so like, cho cast- is the worst actor you've ever seen no no no, no. jason biggs and chris <laughs> klein oh, okay <laughs> so in i think in comparison the cast representing the words coming out of these two gentlemen uh is is what makes it feel so much worse mm-hmm. yeah i guess john cho and cal penn are, are, are much better actors than all of the people in the american pie movie add, add it up together combined yeah well i mean john cho is in the american pie movies though yeah, well, that's we're, he's, not, he's, he's the milf not, guy. Oh no! Yeah, remember? No, I don't remember. You don't remember? Why do you think I, he's an American uh, reunion? I refuse to remember because those movies are <laughs> utter garbage. And I'm not just saying that as a lacrosse player who is frequently asked if uh, American Pie lacrosse players are like actual lacrosse players because they are not. Uh, Cho gained attention with a small role as MILF guy number two in the 1999 <laughs> comedy American Pie, in which he popularized the slang term MILF. Oh, are they saying he, he was the originator of the, the term? Well, he's MILF guy number two. So there was a MILF guy number one. And so sure, the, but they the were two the of them together. together. The, 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 that scene is what birthed the term. Yes. Birth well, is probably the wrong That word. scene as written by um, the writers whom we don't really seem to care for have no. created MILF, which is probably the most enduring legacy that they, they have as, as writers. Hands down. <laughs> uh, you know, they should have minted that 
term as an NFT or something, they'd be rich by now. Oh, maybe they have. I haven't really kept pace with what their their can you, private can you financial trade, dealings can you are. Copyright or trademark a word? They probably could, right? You could you could trademark a word that's not really a word. That, that's the whole point of trademarking. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's an acronym. Can you trademark an acronym? I don't. I don't know. Uh, I mean, there are company names you can trademark, but I, I don't know the rules on like registered trademark versus <laughs> you trademark. Think they registered Mill as an LLC. Oh God! I mean, I don't know they what they started suing people that used it. No, no. I think I think they didn't really think that far ahead in terms of the business practices <clears> that <throat> they, they would pursue. Um, but the question: Can yeah. we call this episode Milf LLC? No. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, fine. Yeah, that is an emphatic and hard no. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote in the document anyway, but okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, this is this is just that's an example of the crassness here. But anyway, that is what gave us John Cho. Um, is this milk guy hard number to believe, two? Uh, however, many years later, they they wrote um, scenes with a baby getting high on cocaine and ecstasy and crawling around ceiling of a closet and stuff mm-hmm. which uh, is a what w- was uh god what was the name of that movie uh lock stock and two, two smoking barrels yeah where there was a baby on the ceiling or something in that oh right? i didn't watch that movie oh anyway um so anyway they also a guy, uh guy Ritchie movie wasn't it yeah i think so um also not an original thought really when they were doing this stuff uh and but it's basically like their comedy is like we're gonna like ha- there are certain things you shouldn't do and we're just gonna do them and like that's the joke is we did the thing you shouldn't do um uh, in many of these cases so you know it, it is not it is not because they should receive some kind of award about oh, d- cleverness Derek says the baby is from train spotting uh train spotting okay anyway d- d- different, different movie um but same same like english thing stuff happening but uh anyway the uh blah the the uh i've lost my train of thought lost my train spotting train of thought. Shtick. Bit, the shtick anyway so they're, they're just like shtick artists um and um uh, and, and a rich vein of pastiche in terms of like what they they the shtick that they do is like with uh seth goldstein and uh andy rosenberg who make an appearance in all these movies and who appear here um uh, with one of them having converted to Christianity. And so they mine that for all of the jokes that that's worth um, in terms of, uh, you know, the Yiddishness and the affectations and everything. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's it's a guy standing on stage on a Thursday night at a comedy uh, uh, venue saying, you ever notice how, how, how Jewish people do this and uh, Christian people do this? Yeah, uh, it's very... The very first thought that you might have in a draft um, that should have been deleted from the film, but uh, like I mean, at least they go back to White Castle. <laughs> Apparently, I don't uh, remember if they go to White Castle in the second one. I don't know. I feel like I, they don't. They don't make a big deal out of it in this one, other than the, the, they show no. the bags. Um, but the 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 stuff that's happening in here is unsubtle, um, shall we say, and not particularly well written or clever. Um, so you're not really like laughing at. Uh, you're not really laughing at the architecture of these scenes and like how this thing that somebody said in this one scene played into this thing that happens in this other scene because it's just like it's just about delivering this shtick and uh, garbage as fast as possible um, for what these characters on screen are supposed to spew out so you know you can get some laughs in there by virtue of I guess velocity mainly Um, but you 
uh, don't have any finesse, don't have any like uh, funny stuff. And like the movie itself loses what to do with what is supposed to be a funny running gag because they have the baby who's with uh, Thomas Lennon and he's supposed to be a part of this film with Adrian, who is the college humor guy. Um, and everyone the knows who the college humor, humor guy is, if I say that, except for Dan. I, uh, I forgot that that's what he was from because I forgot that college humor was a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that was, that was the start of his, I don't know, I guess career. I don't know what he's doing right now, but oh, wow. these, uh, he is one month younger than you and, oh, uh, a little over a year older than me. Huh? huh. I resent his accomplishments. Um, but he is in- <laughs> You wish you were the one in this movie? Well, I would have more money, that's for sure. Uh, but he, uh. Would you? Uh, maybe he blew it all on, uh, baby cocaine. Maybe, maybe he just bought a bunch of crafty, uh, online ape things. Um, but so he's. We've got, uh, the. Can you say I'm the one that dates the podcasts? Uh, sure. Um, maybe, maybe he spent it on the Constitution. Uh, there we go. <laughs> now, we, now we've dated it. He's, no one's going to know what that joke even means in two weeks. <laughs> no. Um, but the, uh, the, the the stupid thing with the uh, these guys is like they had the baby and the running joke of like the baby being involved in all this inappropriate stuff. But then they're like, well, we need to have Harold and Kumar go off on their own now. And we don't really have anything else we can do with these characters till the end of the film. So Adrian and Thomas Lennon are going to be in stasis in this closet, trying mm-hmm. to keep the babies on drugs joke alive for cutaways periodically throughout the film. Also, you know, there's a dangerous mobster out there and he wants to loudly eat a bag of potato chips. Yeah. He's I in mean, his underwear still. Cause that's just silly. Well, cause he didn't, he, he didn't have his clothes, but he's in a closet full of like coats. He could have picked up one of the coats and put it on, but, uh, I don't mm. know. But the, you know, the mobsters watching Tyler Perry movies and eating ice cream out of the tub um, and uh, all that. Uh, but the, why not? Sure. Why not? He's, a, the, he's a multidimensional character. He can he can watch Tyler Perry and eat ice cream if he wants to. He's definitely not just an overprotective dad who is also who happens, happens to be a, a mobster who uh, wants to kill people um, who have sex with his daughter. Uh, so that's definitely not what happens in the film. Um, but the, they just have this one thing, but because they don't know what else to do, but they want to keep the characters alive, um, in terms of like the story, uh, not just in terms of like alive in the universe, um, that the story is telling, but they, they just keep cutting back to them in the closet and there's not a rich vein of material that you can do with them there. And Thomas Mm, Lennon is like like, R. Kelly song. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's. Let's not do that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Thomas Lennon is like we found the line in our podcast, and that's it. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thomas Lennon is is a great comedian, and uh, you know, Amir Blumenthal's fine. Um, and they could have done more with them, but it's not a movie about them. So they're just in here for the jokes that they have at the beginning, and then some stuff at the end, and then that's it. Um, but because they're like big enough i guess to be important to this they can't like just disappear them from the, the thing they're not just one well, of the incidental people that harold and kumar meet along the way what happens to amir i don't even remember what happens they escape yeah but like where does he go i don't know he might have been in the party montage at the end maybe i don't know i didn't see him so He's like alive. the baby runs out of the closet and freaks the dude out and then he hits him with the frying pan or whatever and they just leave yeah and then we we don't ever see Amir again, and Thomas Lennon shows up at the end. Yeah, that is basically, I think, it. 
All right. Yeah, it's, a, it's a rich vein of comedy that they kept on life support for the entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's weird, uh, some of the choices that they made. I mean, I like Thomas Lennon when he's in here at the beginning. Um, Adrian is awful, which is, I think, the joke. Uh, so <laughs> check mark. Awful um, and stupid. Yeah, uh, very stupid. But, uh, you know, that, that's there's only so much you can do with that stuff. And uh, the, the Wafflebot, um, which I can't believe we've gone an hour and 11 minutes without talking about Wafflebot, but uh, that was... <sighs> wow. That was very obviously a joke that they had for like one thing and they're just mm-hmm. like we need to really hit it we need to really just make a reason why Wafflebot needs to be here do you think they wanted to sell Wafflebots at christmas when the movie came out or do you think that they thought it would be ironic and funny that people would think they wanted to sell Wafflebots when the movie came out i i don't think that they thought that at all i think they thought about uh the robot that's in the beginning of the rocky movie which one was that I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, there, there's a very famous scene um, that I can't remember which Rocky movie it's in, but it's one of the the sequels when they should have stopped making them, apparently. Uh, and um, the uncle, whatever his face is, he buy he buys a robot as a gift for the kids, and there's the most '80s scene of them introducing this robot with it, it just looks ridiculous but it is very reminiscent of Wafflebot, especially in terms of the music they kind of play when they're like doing Wafflebot stuff, but. Uh, it, it what is, on earth is it? This gigantic, like six foot tall alien looking thing. Yes, that is that. Rocky Four. Yeah. What the hell is this? How have I gone my entire life without knowing that there was a giant robot in a Rocky movie? You want to? We can. I can put a marker here, and we can pause the podcast while you watch that real quick. No, here's here's a. You can buy a little little action figure of it wearing a birthday paper hat and the the photo of it is it holding a tray with a cake on it yep but you really need to hear the music that goes with that I, scene and like the, watch I, the whole thing play out i cannot no it, it is very obvious one of the inspirations for waffle butt is from that um but the holy crap it's got yeah. a calculator and like a car stereo on it yeah i mean because that's what really like the whole waffle butt thing in here is just like this very 80s like it is the dream of a kid it is a dream of the child of the 80s to have this waffle bot um so they have this in here as this thing and they make whatever it can do in here and that delivers the waffle bot comedy that you are going to to get out of this moment um but uh that i, I that's I am that's it d- i am dumbstruck it's still hung up on Rocky Four. Yeah, I just like <laughs> I have never seen these images before. Sylvester Stallone standing next to this robot wearing a party hat. Yes, I, you really just need to watch the scene. I cannot emphasize this enough. The images don't do it justice for how extremely strange it is. <laughs> does, does does it talk? Um. I'm not going to ruin anything for you, Dan. I just need you to see this scene. You will promise me that you will see this scene. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it right now if you want. Yeah, okay. I'm going to put a marker here. Rocky Four Robot. All right, I think this is a, is a minute long. Yeah, it's, it's not a long scene. What the actual fuck? 
is this? Your present. Yo, I wanted a sports car for my birthday. Not no walking trash can. Oh, come on, he looks great here. He's extremely psycho. Oh, psychic. my God. If you don't have any friends, we thought you'd like it. Yeah, pretend you're happy. Well, you'll keep your company when you're all alone. That's a great-looking guy. Please make a wish. It's creepy. That talks, that thing. Creepy. I agree, Paul. It is creepy. I wish I had one of these when I was growing up. Go on, make a wish, like he says. I wish I wasn't in this nightmare. A very classy wish. Very nice. What do you think there? Very good, huh? <laughs> Want to help me put out this forest fire? Sure. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. I mean... Um, drowned I'm gonna watch this other scene here. Oh, don't worry. I'll clean it up for you, bully. This is the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the link I just sent you includes both the, the first scene and I, I believe a, a, a subsequent scene. <sighs> Get the fuck out of here. That's my girl. You're welcome. It's a nice song. It's my favorite. You're the greatest. See you. Oh, it has it has a lady's voice now. See you. Paul, who taught her to talk like that? She loves me. Huh? Like I was saying, are we implying that Polly's in a relationship with the robot? Yes, because that that makes me uncomfortable. Well. Uh, because of the implication. <laughs> because of the implication. Well, I mean, the implication is also like uh, the Wafflebot loves Kumar um, uh, to the point that it would kill for him. <laughs> but the uh, mm-hmm. the the Wafflebot um, is you know it's got its Terminator vision, Robocop vision, whatever of uh, uh, the monster cam uh, where you cut away to its point of view and show all the overlays and everything, uh, and and it's going to to save. Kumar because he loves uh, it loves Kumar so much uh, but uh, that was because Neil Patrick Harris treated Wafflebot so poorly um, and uh, then fortunately it runs out of batteries because they don't know what else to do with the Wafflebot uh, and they, it just shows up at the end again um, and uh, fortunately Vanessa is very excited about Wafflebot um, because she also I assume likes waffles because uh, she's made to like everything that Kumar likes uh, so that would that would be in keeping with that. Uh, but they, 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 it's just, uh, it's just one of those things where it's just like, this is some extremely throwaway joke that some child of the eighties would write. And it's here. It's, it's in the thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just <clears throat> unbelievable. Wow. You still in shock? I, I, yes, I am in shock. I have been utterly derailed. Wafflebot has gone from just like a cute little, Hey, look, it's in this movie kind of thing to just, uh, I'm just devastated. I tainted Wafflebot for you? A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. I liked Wafflebot better when it was an invention for this movie. No, well, I mean, it is. It's just that it obviously has inspiration from other sources. Uh, but it, it, it's just, I don't know. I mean, you can still love the fact that it makes waffles, Dan. Yeah. Did you like its uh, little infomercial video? Pancakes are lame. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was what was the infomercial? Uh, I remember when the kid uh, electrocuted himself by sticking the. <laughs> yeah. The Did they had to, to do another montage where uh, Kumar gets high and watches commercials like hilarious commercials where kids harm themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, was it the daughter poured 
scalding hot maple syrup from mm-hmm. a glass carafe across her hand, which was over the waffle while she was pouring it. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, that was just to show you that syrup could burn, I guess. But, uh, that goes back to a previous discussion that we've had about the temperature of syrup. Um, yeah, and, I think that's probably yeah. a little too high, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I, 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 again, reiterate that I do not heat my, heat my maple syrup. Um, it is. I don't either, but I, yeah. I kind of wish I, I, I could. I, I did. I also definitely don't pour it into a glass carafe, um, and then, and then pour it from there. Uh, rather than just keeping it inside of the maple syrup bottle that it arrived in. Do you decant? Yeah. I, do, I do not decant my maple syrup. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, the waffle bot, it can it can make you a, a singular waffle um, with apparently a uh, accordion lever vaudeville <laughs> sketch show thing attachment. Sure, it has to fly out and hit bad guys in the face and or pop out of the screen in 3D. Yeah, I mean, the only time you ever see that thing is there's a boxing glove attached to the other end so uh it's just <laughs> it's like it's like a bellows on one end and they squeeze it and a boxing glove pops out like 12 feet on the other end yeah and so they have the, the like the accordion thing um but the uh, uh and it shoots the it's called hot maple syrup that uh can burn through uh nylon ropes i'm gonna assume that those were nylon um it, it just you know that's what this movie is like it, you know, it's it's not. Uh, they wrote a cheetah in the first one. Like it's not. <laughs> it's not like we expect science here. Um, so well, there yeah. is some science related to you know uh, where warm meets cold and moisture is involved. Um, when it gets stuck to the pole. Oh, that was too oblique, Dan. Um, so science. Yeah, they yeah they just like in a Christmas story. Um, but it's 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 his penis. Uh, Harold's penis gets stuck to. The pole, because uh, we couldn't just have Kumar's penis be in the film as a, a clay blob that waves at camera. Um, yeah, but, you got to uh, equal screen time to uh, big penises. Yeah, yeah, especially presumably. Yeah, I, I guess it was probably in their writer. Like, if he gets to show his, then I get to show mine. Um, although it's not showing anybody's really, because obviously this is an incredibly fake prosthetic. Um, but they again, uh, we have no evidence to this, but it is an assumption. Uh, yes, it is. It is assumed to be an incredibly fake rubber prosthetic. Uh, allegedly, allegedly. But they, uh, you know, then they do the gag of pouring hot coffee on it, and then they get out of there, and then they don't have cell phone reception somehow in a warehouse uh, or outside a warehouse. I mean, people still have flip phones in this movie, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's believable. I mean, uh, Kumar it's has a BlackBerry, um, so goodness, uh, that's not cool. Um, and they do make a joke about. Uh, uh, you know, Kumar, I forget how that came up, but Kumar says something about like working at the White House. Yeah, like that would ever happen. Um, mm-hmm. and this has been after he had worked at the White House. Uh, as a, was it youth outreach or something that Cal Pellin did? Um, but uh, I forget. Yeah. A- anyway, so they blah. They they're stuck there, and uh, Harold shoots the shotgun up into the air and hits strikes uh grazes um Santa Claus across his forehead mm-hmm. and santa claus Played comes by, uh bill cosby from uh bridesmaids uh well i was going to say he had three different star trek exper- uh, appearances um he was in star trek the next generation in the inner <sighs> light and he was in uh star trek voyager in a t- in two-parter um and he was in uh star trek enterprise as uh the the head doctor guy on cold station 12 great uh, and I'm sure the the incredibly grotesque uh, stitching Santa's head back together scene was was hilarious in 3D. Uh, no, because none of that would have stuck out of the camera. 
Um, I feel like there was a blood spurt that would have come out. Oh, the blood spurts, yes, but not that. They, not... they probably framed it so the depth of like the the, the large the wound. wound looked. God, could you imagine the headache you would get if they tried to actually make that feel like it had some depth to it? Um, but the yeah, the uh, uh, he he is wounded severely, and then they do the usual thing of having you know Kumar do a, a medical procedure to show that his competency and proficiency as a doctor exists in spite of his desire not to be a doctor um uh or des- desire not to follow a path that's been laid for him by, I by mean, others he still wanted to be a doctor he just failed the urine test mm-hmm. yeah well and then uh santa's happy that he's been saved uh and uh he offers to give them a ride um uh, which is extremely generous given the circumstances. Uh, and he's and, the one who sent them the the magical joint that uh, brought them back together and burned down the tree. Yep, yep. It was all his way of uniting them. Uh, mm. There could have been easier ways of going about that, but you know, Santa Claus works in mysterious ways. I guess Santa is the is the cupid of friendships, is what they always say. <laughs> that is that is generally what they always say. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Santa, well known matchmaker, um, Santa Claus. Uh, you know, he's, he's the first person you should call and, uh, seek advice from in terms of relationships. Uh, the guy who lives at the North Pole by himself and has a slave labor, uh, issue, uh, with, uh, children wow. making. Wow. Uh, when did this become a pro-union podcast? <laughs> they're also making knockoffs of, uh, you know, publicly available, uh, goods from other vendors. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just it seems he's like an extremely slave shady guy. and scabs. I see how it is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so Santa. Uh, drops them off and he tells them that he he sent the magic doobie that burned the th- uh, the stuff um because as we noticed when it was flying in slow motion the window opened by itself and the uh uh joint flew into it and caught the tree on fire uh in a way that would seem unrealistic uh it had this been in any other film um but the uh, <laughs> that uh totally realistic yeah, the, you know harold doesn't have any solution for the christmas tree situation he's just gonna have to go in there and deal with it uh as kumar told him that he just needs to be able to to do um and put, put uh, his foot down and be the man of the house and stuff yeah demand, and, uh, demand respect <laughs> i think the fun the the funniest thing in this entire movie to me was probably when uh danny trejo is recounting the story of how his his mother was killed by uh korean gangsters when he was little mm-hmm. and uh uh john cho plays all three of them just like crudely comped onto like different bodies and stuff yeah very crudely um yeah yeah when, uh, he's, when he's slurping the noodles as the the chubby guy over to the side that that one that one got me yeah it's uh, hard to it's hard to slurp noodles in an intimidating fashion no I, but i have to imagine the context of two other people that seem threatening would kind of tip that more towards the threatening angle I don't know, man. I would probably laugh. It's you just, aggressively slurp noodles at me. I'm going to laugh at you. She's also a smaller woman. Um, she was of slight stature. But uh, so anyway, and Kumar's lesson that he needs to learn when he gets dropped off is that he needs to uh, own up to Vanessa that he's ready to be a father or whatever. Um, and so they do that. And uh, Harold goes into the house and he uh, puts his foot down with Danny Trejo, who uh, turns on the light with the clapper. Uh, he's sitting there shirtless uh, with all his tattoos. Uh, as you do. As you do. Um, and uh, he's very upset about his Christmas tree. Uh, and Harold says, well, you his, know what? His Fraser fur that he's grown for eight years. Yes, because he believes in Christmas so strongly. Um, and uh, he, 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 Harold says, you know, like, I, I, I don't care. Like, I tried everything to make you happy. And I went through all this crap uh, in order to get a replacement tree, but I couldn't do it. Uh, and so you, you don't have a tree and whatever, like tough 
tough luck. Uh, and you're just gonna have to deal with it. Uh, cause, and then Danny Trejo was like, oh, that's all I really ever wanted you to do is be able to put your foot down because I know you're a nice guy and I just need you to be able to protect Maria and not, you know, have people walk all over you. And it's like, oh, well, thank God that's the lesson the story is trying to tell because that's very convenient for the situation we happen to be in at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. but then the next morning, Santa Claus drops off the tree, uh, overnight and leaves his bloody hat, uh, as a reminder, uh, a threatening reminder of, of his, <laughs> of his, uh, Christmas power. It's slightly less threatening than the horse head in the bed, but yeah, it's, you know, don't mess with Santa. Yeah. No union, uh, uh no union is going to come in here and take away his elves. No, I mean, Santa's the real mob boss. Um, but it's, uh, you know that's the that's that's the end of Harold's journey there, and he's patched things up with Kumar, and like we said, Kumar goes to Vanessa, and uh, she basically uh, agrees to his apology, but says he doesn't need to actually change anything about himself or do anything differently. Um, and then they both go to uh, Harold's party that he is throwing, and had invited all these other people too, uh, except for Kumar. Um, and uh, that's you know what the. The Christmas spirit is all about um, the end. I mean, honestly, the Christmas spirit is basically about being together with your family, even though you hate them. Yeah. I mean, that's very clear from this movie that that happened. Um, but yeah, the uh, and then we have a uh, we didn't talk that much about MPH other than his um, uh, bad bet the bad part. Um, but the he, there's a music song and dance number in here because this is also when nph had been making his um big big splash uh in on broadway um mm-hmm. and so he's a he's doing a, award shows and stuff yeah he's, he's got a big uh showy showy number here um which i'm sure looked amazing in 3d with the confetti and the, 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 the like candy sure. cane stick uh walking stick thing um candy cane cane uh and you, you know they do, they do the whole thing and uh then after this the scene um he goes and uh we have david burka make a cameo surprise cameo um and they talk about how much that they love each other and they kiss and then they walk into the room and they're just like oh, i can't believe you kissed me blah 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 and then they're like all all this nasty stuff about the two of them about how they're only playing along with this in order to get the press and um other things that mph says and, and mph then, has a has a raging crack addiction apparently yeah and david burke has his crack dealer um and uh <laughs> he's wire money into his account anyway so it is interesting it is funny though how like the wikipedia page the credits are uh for the credits section or the cast section it, it's just like uh david burke as an exaggerated version of himself and it's like no crap you don't like really no no way I would have never guessed that that wasn't exactly what he was like in real life. Uh, I, I don't know. People people don't quite understand humor, I guess, uh, or sarcasm or irony or anything. Yeah, I think the funniest that. thing was uh, when he said, uh, you know, no problem, uh, catch you guys in the fourth one and winks, and that's the end of his scene. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I look forward to the fourth movie whenever they decide to do that. Yeah, Harold and Kumar escape the retirement home. Um, they're not that old yet. No, I mean, if they're making an American Pie five, they can throw us a fourth Harold and Kumar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows what they're going to wind up doing? Uh, but can you imagine just the general progression of this stuff? Like, how old do you think the? Uh, like, don't you think it's just going to like be? It's worn pretty thin. The, the this kind of humor here. Do you think it's going to really be able to 
like be anything funny to an audience that would see it later. And obviously, it's not going to have like a theatrical ex- uh, exhibit uh, exhibition. Like, it's not going to be available no. in theaters where you're going to sit down I mean, and watch this thing. What third Bill and Ted movie basically went straight to Netflix or whatever that was? Yeah, this isn't going to happen. Um, well, I mean, that was I, also because of the pandemic too. Y- yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I think the audience for that movie would be people our age who never really grew up, of which there is probably a reasonable amount of those people. Oh, God, there's too many of them. Yeah. Um. So there is an audience who, you know, maybe feels a little left behind. Like, why can't it be like the good old days when everything was just about fun? Oh, God. Uh, I hate having a mortgage now and paying rent and stuff and blah, blah, blah. Why Why? Um, why can't you say this kind of stuff anymore? Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> Really, I'm a nice person deep down inside, but I just don't fit in with today's modern society, and I just want to, you know. Yeah. Um, Harold and Kumar fight cancel culture. I'm Uh, I'm not not saying they're, you know, like men's right activists or whatever, but... uh, No, and the movie's not saying that either. It's just saying that the world should bend to their whims and views. The world should Um, let them be what they want to be. Uh, Even if what they want to be is, like, you know, not great. No, even if what they want to be is a 22-year-old in uh, uh, 1999, basically. Mm. Mm. Halcyon days. Mm. Anyway, I think that's all we can say about this movie. Um, I think that's more than we should have said about this movie, to yeah. be honest. But yeah, Harold and Kumar, um, they had a very 3D Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I'll take their word for it. Uh, they had they had a the title it's right there on the title a very they, Harold and Kumar Christmas like they're they not had, wrong they had a very staged and composed for three D Christmas um that's for sure yeah yeah I mean don't we all yeah <laughs> don't we all have Christmases that pretend to be very dimensional in a sense yes in another sense no maybe the, maybe the real friends and family are the three dimensions <laughs> that we made along the way to Christmas. Uh, the, the the real spirit of Christmas is the waffles we ate along the way. <laughs> I